0: You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts. So this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the Dodge Movie Podcast. Thank you for letting us take a little break. It was actually for your benefit, not having to listen to my nasally voice. So hopefully this one isn't too bad, but I can he- hear it's a lingering a bit. So today we have come back to you to talk about Fifty First Dates in our month of movies that take place in Hawaii or movies about Hawaii. I guess it wasn't clearly defined, but I guess this one isn't about Hawaii. It just takes place in Hawaii. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, I think you could also make the argument. That, I think you could make the argument that's a little bit about Hawaii.
0: It is. It does have
1: yeah. the, the culture seeps through.
0: So, this movie came out in 2004. The director is Peter Siegel. It stars Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Rob Schneider, Amy Hill, Sean Astin, Maya Rudolph, like a tiny little peek at Maya Rudolph, Dan Aykroyd, Missy Pyle, and Blake Clark, who you all would recognize, but maybe not his name. The writer is George Wing. It says outsourced. Do you know what that means?
1: I think, does. Is... In movie making? No, I don't.
0: We'll have to look that up. I'll try to have that answer in the show notes. The synopsis of this film is Henry Roth is a man afraid of commitment until he meets the beautiful Lucy. They hit it off and Henry thinks he has finally found the girl of his dreams until discovering she has short term memory loss and forgets him the next day. That would be tough. The tagline for this film is imagine having to win over the girl of your dreams every freaking day. That's a good Adam Sandler tagline.
1: That is good Sandler tagline.
0: And I love this. The movie was dedicated to Adam's dad, Stanley, who died while the movie was in production, which probably, that really sucks because that means Adam was probably nowhere nearby.
1: Let's hope it was in post and he was right. I mean, back home. To be clear, we're, we're happy that it was dedicated, not that his father died. No, not at all. Uh, yeah.
0: The inspiration for this film was taken from Harold Ramis's romantic comedy Groundhog's Day, and a little tiny bit of trivia that I was—I don't know if this is in your can't be made today—but Rob Schneider's character plays a Hawaiian, who Rob is not Hawaiian; he is
1: Filipino. Wait, what? Rob Schneider is Filipino. He is. Ah,
0: I well, I should say half. I right. think.
1: I think that that or. counts. Here, I thought Joe Coy was the first funny person who is Filipino.
0: No. Yeah, I heard him, and uh, maybe even Joe and Rob were like bonding over their awesome Filipinoness.
1: Yeah, and there are Filipinos that live in Hawaii. Yes, but his character Ula is not. He's portrayed more as a Hawaiian than a Filipino.
0: Right. So I wanted to look it up, and I I don't want to really. I don't think I have the head, the brain for a deep <laughs> dive in the you know representation, but I did find it interesting because Rob took on. A very Hawaiian heavy character speaking pigeon. Yeah. So, so I wanted to educate myself about the language that is referred to as pigeon, Hawaiian pigeon. And it's Creole English, or HCE, locally known as pigeon, English based Creole language spoken in Hawaii. An estimated 600,000 residents speak Hawaiian pidgin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's spelled P-I-D-G-I-N.
1: I I always heard the Hawaiian kids say pidgin. Okay, good. I'm I'm at
0: least saying it correctly. Although English and Hawaiian are two official languages of the state, Hawaiian pidgin is spoken by many Hawaiian residents in everyday conversation and is often used in advertising targeted towards locals in Hawaii. And that's from Mm -hmm. Wikipedia. So... Just a little tidbit, a little fact there as you watch this movie and you hear some of Rob's lines. He's speaking Hawaiian pigeon. So kick us off, Mike. What is the pickup line of this film? So tell me, how is Hawaii? It's been a while since we've seen this. Can you remind me who says that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I believe Adam Sandler is using that as a pickup line because we're establishing early on that he's a bit of a scumbag who has commitment issues. So he just chats up tourists like on their last day so he can sleep with them and then they leave. That's right. uh, The movie kicks off pretty much with a montage, wouldn't you say? I believe it was Adam Sandler's a scumbag montage, yes. That's right. He's
0: talking to all the ladies and we're seeing how he disguises his true identity as he... I loved it too because there was one scene where he misremembers a woman's name and because he was pretending to be a spy, she's like, no, my name is Amanda. And he says, I know, but I changed your name to keep you safe. And she's like,
1: oh, okay. It's a good line. Quick on his feet I know, Quick on his feet. Yeah.
0: So one of the things that I thought was kind of funny with this film is under the acting category, I put acting slash animals. Because he had to work with penguins and walruses and, let's see, were there any other animals? And they always say don't work with animals or children.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and this film has that classic vaudeville bit of walrus vomit. Oh, that scene was <laughs> such an Adam Sandler movie scene. It really was. Oh. The only thing that made it tolerable to me was that he had to actually go through that. So, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but he's
0: not the one that was downrange of the walrus. This is
1: true. <laughs> he hired that up.
0: And there's a funny behind the scenes on YouTube. There's a scene with a penguin where a penguin almost gets hurt. And it was a stuffed penguin in reality when the car, there was a movie magic.
1: That's good.
0: That took place so that we didn't almost splatter a penguin on the...
1: I was trying to see if that was in... That that was not in the couldn't be made today category. <laughs> no, not very. For... But it would be if they actually harmed a harmed penguin. Harmed a penguin. Yeah, no, don't, no. Don't do that. They must be a protected
0: species. Although I think they protect a lot of them. PETA well, makes
1: them... They're so cute. They're protected
0: just by their cuteness. <laughs> they are so cute. And the penguin in this movie is very funny. He he could be his own character
1: or she. I smell a sequel. <laughs>
0: So did you catch, I have beautiful
1: opening shot. Right. And it's funny because I phrased it slightly differently. I said, nice pineapple cut between opening shot and second shot.
0: <laughs> There's a scene where I think Lucy and Henry are kissing on the beach and they were trying to recall the Deborah Care Burt Lancaster scene at the <laughs> edge of this shore from, from here to eternity.
1: Right. Which did I you, think. did you, did it remind you of that when you saw it? Actually, no, I missed that part. But I did the the thing I liked about the From Here to Eternity scene is I thought that was filmed on a soundstage. So really? Been, How
0: could uh, it be with the ocean?
1: I thought it was a close up. Maybe I'm wrong. Wow. Uh, maybe listener RJ could chime in, <laughs> pop, uh, pop in with that info. I gotta go look watch that From up. Here to Eternity and tell us if it looks like it's a soundstage <laughs> or outside. It could be. I misremember.
0: That would be fascinating because it totally sold
1: it as it was the ocean.
0: There have been a lot of gags since then. I want to say. Was it like the Naked Guns series? Yeah,
1: I think they had a really good take on it.
0: I think Priscilla Presley and uh, what was his name? The white haired guy.
1: Leslie Nielsen. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think they did one and the surf was just like so intense that it just about (laughs) took him away. Oh, that makes me laugh. I may have to look that up after
1: this. And I don't know about... Hawaii in particular, because it's a little more tropical, but in general, the Pacific is pretty cold. So I don't know if you really want to be laying in in that.
0: Right. So the writing, hometown Seattle, born George Wing was a screenwriter. What did you think of his writing of this story?
1: So I like how we immediately open showing the character flaw that the Adam Sandler character, Henry Roth, has to overcome, that he's a womanizer. And then just in case we weren't paying attention, Ula, who is the Hawaiian played by the Filipino Rob Schneider, okay. then verbalizes that he's going to get trapped by a woman. So we established that right away. And then the interesting thing to me was the gimmick of her not remembering. Because we see in that opening scene that he does that because the basically the women won't remember who he is because he's uh... lied to them. And so then he kind of, in some sense, gets exactly Exactly. what he wants, but then it's not what he wants.
0: Wow. I never put that together. You're blowing my mind right now. Yeah. So see, it's actually pretty well plotted. It really is. And you know, I have to say, I thought it was such a sweet gesture when her father and brother, mostly her father, every night, although her brother would play along with the gag like watching the football game. right? and, And so everything that they would do every single night. To reset life so that she wouldn't encounter any uh, discomfort. Right. I actually had a moment where I was like, are they doing it for her or are
1: they doing it for them? Very interesting. At the end of Act One, there's a line where someone says, So she does the same thing every day. And that's where we establish her narrative question which is going, is she going to continue? And I saw the, the father and brothers repaying everything. To me, my thought was, how long can they keep this up? And I thought that was clever writing, again, by Mr. Wing, that it was a clever way to set up a ticking time bomb in a sense, because as the viewer, we know, oh my gosh, they can't keep this up forever. They can't all like every day you know, eventually some something's going to happen and the gig will be up. And then at the midpoint in act two, we see that where she gets the ticket and then the date and all that. And so now the gig is up. So that then, and then we get to the end of act two, right? And then there's the question where she asks him, do you love me? So this is now... Both of their narrative questions are tied together by that question: Is she going to do something different because he loves her? Is he going to commit by loving her? So I thought, even though this is an Adam Sandler film, sorry Adam, but your your humor is a little yeah. broad, yeah. right? Even though it's a Sandler film, there's actually a I think a really well written story in there.
0: No, I definitely. I mean, poor Adam. He gets a lot of of hits, but I feel like, and of course, my brain isn't working right now, but. I feel like there's been another one. I don't, was it Spanglish or what's the one where he was dying?
1: Uh, Funny
0: People?
1: That sounds about right. Something like that.
0: He did it with Judd Apatow. I felt like he's had a couple where there are some really deep themes and some heavy storyline to balance the gags and the laughs. You know, the one where <laughs> yeah, he plays his own sister. Maybe that one is <laughs> not okay, high art.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Chuck and Larry had some problems, but yeah. Oh yeah, big problems.
0: But I just, I don't think that this is, or maybe this was the first time he kind of dipped his toe in a more serious topic. But I definitely think that, and it, it was interesting how he was the one, because I was thinking about the brother and the father, their lives basically were frozen in time too. Yeah, exactly. Because the brother, I mean, okay, maybe the dad, you could say he doesn't mind painting the wall every night it's so that you know she can paint a new mural, but the brother isn't moving forward in his life. Neither right. one of them have moved, and the three of them have been trapped that night that she had her accident. So
1: So in a sense, it's about trauma freezing us in time and our ability to break loose. And the more we talk about this, the deeper this film gets.
0: It really does. And so it takes Adam to basically do a very simple thing of, he makes her a video that she just watches every morning. And he explains everything that happens. And she has like five minutes or maybe 10, 15 minutes of discomfort and of sadness and of loss. But then she gets to experience a whole new day and everybody
1: gets to kind of move on. So one of the things that comes to mind when I watch that is what I would do if I woke up one morning <laughs> and somebody showed me, not a videotape now, it would be on YouTube, but it would be a clip and it would be like, okay, watch this to prep yourself for the day. I don't know how I would react. And I don't think it would go, <sighs> I think there'd be a lot of F words that are said. (laughs) I'm just assuming based on past history, but I, I think that's an interesting question, right? How would a person react? And the conceit of the movie is that she reacts the same way every time. But I don't know if that's true. I'd be curious if a person, if there was some variation, maybe no murals one day. Right. Like, if the weather changed, which yeah, her behavior change?
0: Well, right, right. It's a great study. So the neurological condition from which Lucy suffers, Goldfield syndrome, is entirely fictional. <laughs> True and anterograde. I'm reading this from Wiki. Everybody. Yeah. True anterograde amnesia affects either short-term memory, which can last minutes or seconds, or intermediate-term mem- memory. Easy for me to say, which can last days or weeks. Falling asleep has nothing to do with this condition, and sleep actually intensifies many chemical effects which help memory. So just throwing that out there that
1: nobody will get
0: what poor Lucy suffers from.
1: By the premise, by the bit.
0: Oh, absolutely. I wasn't trying to be nitpicky. I just thought it was interesting. Right.
1: It's a clever thing. I just would love to know from maybe wing or sandler where did the idea come from like is, is this an idea that adam was was you know noodling around and he outsourced it he had somebody go write a script for it? or where did that come from because it is kind of a clever idea and you mentioned groundhog day which is different
0: because bill murray's character knew that he was living the same day over Yeah, his now.
1: memories kept going and everyone else was would go back in time again i don't believe there's any actual syndrome like that but it's great for a film
0: right right Another little tidbit I'd love to share because we are big spam fans. Oh, yeah. There are several references to spam throughout the movie because Hawaiians love their spam. And Hawaii leads the nation in per capita consumption of spam. Over 6.7 million cans are sold annually in Hawaii, which equals five and a half cans per year Per Hawaiian.
1: Okay, I must be Hawaiian because I think we eat more than five and a half <laughs> cans per year.
0: Yes, for anybody who knows what masubi is, our our youngest has taught us how to make it, and it's a favorite
1: lunchtime treat. Yeah, and maybe if superfan Ernie visits the studio, we can make him some Spam Musubi. I,
0: I would be happy to make Spam Musubi for anybody who would like, because now we have all the, the gadgets, and it's quite easy, and it's really fun, and it's tasty.
1: What's interesting is there is a Spam delivery truck in one of the scenes. Yeah. And it's a Dodge. <gasps> of course it is. It's also loaded with literally tens of thousands of dollars of spam. When you look at the amount of spam that was in that truck, they probably had to have that under a guard.
0: Yeah. And my mom loves to point out that spam was always considered as a inexpensive meat option. Like (laughs) if you were low on funds, but if you actually look at the per pound price, like you're probably better off getting like a top sirloin or something
1: now i think that's true but back during the war when my grandmother was making it i think it was made out of scraps so it was it less was less high-end and it was the only meat they had available it's all the whole the hawaiians they yeah they they certainly pushed it up there but they invented spam musubi so go for it like i love it way to go hawaiians so what did you think of the costuming if anything stuck out for you. Okay. You know, I'm kind of like an amateur aficionado. Yeah. Of costume design. Yes. So I'm learning. Also shout out to costume designer and hopefully listener Miriam. Lucy wears the same outfit every day until she sees the videotape from Henry. I never so I thought that. That was an interesting thing that I knew. What I did not figure out was when she goes to the memory institute why is she wearing a silk mandarin top that made no sense to me other than drew barrymore does like those kind of yeah so maybe she did her own wardrobe right but it has perhaps one of my favorite costume elements of all time in this film is the aloha pattern yarmulke so that's (laughs) awesome and i will mention that I went to college with one of the few Jews from Hawaii, not Bette Midler, unfortunately. But uh-huh. so there are some Jews in Hawaii and, and uh, an aloha pattern yarmulke. Love it.
0: I love it. Under sets, I have that her dad painted that one room white every single night. The diner where Lucy has her breakfast every morning was originally the house, oh, it was originally a house and it was remodeled for the movie. It's located on a macadamia nut farm on the east side of Oahu. And it is the same house that is used in Tears of the Sun and some scenes from Jurassic Park. I believe like where the where he's trying to get her to stop. I think that area was from Jurassic Park and a tie in. Like, I feel like all of our Hawaiian movies. Right. Have had different tie ins. Like it was Amy. Do you remember her last name? Hill. Amy Hill was in Lilo and Stitch. Stitch. And this movie.
1: And this movie.
0: And then the Whitmore's home, Lucy's dad and her brother and her their home, is the same house that the girls lived in in next week's movie. Blue Crush. Uh So now I want it to wrap back around. I want there to be some Blue Crush tie-in with... Shoot, what was our first? Blue Hawaii? Yeah, I want some tie-in between
1: Blue Crush and Blue Hawaii. I guess the word blue. Speaking of blue... Yeah. I love the huge fishbowl of Blue Hawaiian that Missy Pyle's character drinks in this.
0: Oh, that's... That's... There you go. Yeah. She drinks a drink called Blue Hawaiian. and Blue Hawaii. Bingo. Right there.
1: And it reminded me of, and I don't remember the timing on this, of the drink that Wayne drinks in in Wayne's World. No, Garth, I think. Remember when they're talking to Rob Lowe, he gets this giant, ridiculous drink. And famously, when I visited Hawaii, I wanted that drink. I was willing to pay whatever it (laughs) would take. And they don't have the giant drinks. And I thought, okay, I'm a tourist. I want a touristy thing. Certainly some Hawaiian will take my money, but no. Is it like the margarita that I get at Juan, Colorado? Even bigger, but yes. (laughs) The (laughs) swimming pool of margarita.
0: It reminds me of that, I mean, sorry, we're totally going off on a tangent, but that scene from So I Married an Axe Murderer with the latte, and Mike says... Excuse me,
1: I think I ordered a large cappuccino. Right. Yeah.
0: So, under sound, I have... I wonder if this could be done today, and forgive me if I'm overthinking things, but Sean Astin's character has a lisp, and that was his decision he came and said you know if he's this big hulking guy he kind of needs to you know every hero has to have a little kind of nick out of their character sure sure and that's what he picked and he thought it would be funny and the director agreed so so he let him keep it but is that insensitive i mean i don't want to be too precious but i also try to be a little bit aware
1: that's Um, actually a really thought-provoking point yeah Because I don't know enough about lisping. Is it always caused by some sort of condition or syndrome outside someone's control? Mm -hmm. Or is it like riding a bicycle? Some people just struggle and they needed a little more practice and never got it. So they get a lisp. I don't know.
0: And also, this is 2004. That wasn't too terribly long ago. It's not like it's the 80s. Right. But I do feel like... There were more characters back in the day that had a lisp as a joke than, right. especially like little like. Did Drew Barrymore's character have a, oh a lisp in ET? That's a great question. Does she still have a
1: lisp? Ron Howard affected a lisp in The Music Man. Right. So uh, that's total rabbit hole we just went. Right, down. <laughs> but that's an interesting point, and I bet the sound guy hated it. <laughs> <laughs> circling back around to sound, I, I, like, I, I think that guy's like, oh, please, whatever you do, come on, Sean. No wisp. Right. Not this time.
0: So were there any classic Adam Sandler lines or dialogue that you enjoyed?
1: Yes. The, what I consider to be classic Sandler avian-related humor um, <laughs> is he had, he pounded me like a mallard duck. I don't know that mallard ducks are known for their Further. sexual prowess. <laughs> and the nympho is the state bird of Ohio. <laughs> Which, great stuff, but speaking of Ohio, the clinic was called the Callahan Clinic funded out of Sandusky, Ohio, Yeah, which is a callback to Tommy Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great film. I don't think we've done that one. Oh, I don't think we have. My favorite line from Rob Schneider as Ula is he refers to the Waikiki sneaky between the cheekies. (laughs) And it's a funny (laughs) rhyme, but it's like such a Sandler line. (laughs) as delivered by rob schneider oh yeah which it might be from the department of couldn't be made today it's possible that the hawaiians did not care for his performance
0: exactly and say what you will hold your nose up in the air i don't know there there are a handful of sandler movies i really enjoy oh uh-huh. and i'm not gonna be ashamed to say it
1: there's a tie-in also that i forgot to mention previously to happy gilmore probably one one of his best. one of his best and Rob Schneider's Ula does the stupid run-up golf swing from H- Happy Gilmore that Adam Sandler's character did. And Adam Sandler says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> I, I like, yeah, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He probably, I mean, I think he has been straightforward in saying, like with this one, I wanted to go to Hawaii and vacation with my friends. <laughs> yeah. And watching some behind the scenes videos on YouTube in preparation for this episode, I, I think him and Drew said, we vacationed together already in Hawaii. So we were like, why not make a movie there so that we can just hang out in Hawaii? And Which
1: I think is awesome. Aren't we the fools that we haven't figured out how to do our job in Hawaii? That he wasn't the director or producer anything. He didn't really have to do much. Right. Show up and say his lines. It was the poor director and the line producer that were, you know, working their butts off instead of vacationing. Right, (laughs) Adam staying in a Airbnb just chilling out on the lanai until it's time to go film. Exactly.
0: So I believe there was some head trauma and I have a little note about possibly the weapon involved.
1: I have a fair amount of head trauma. (laughs) Uh, So Henry gets hit in the head off screen with his own golf ball. We don't actually see that. Martin throws his shoe at Doug. The penguin is short enough to avoid head trauma, even though it's it's a stuffed penguin. Lucy beats the snot out of Ula with a bat at one point, which is fun. So the real bat was made of rubber, but I watched her hit Adam and Rob, and it apparently still hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's implied when Alexa gets ham ambushed. I'm sorry by a wave lucy wax henry in the head with a lacrosse stick at one point oh right and the chandelier from which doug is hanging crashes to the floor and i think we can assume he got some head trauma on that impact yeah doug took quite a few hits <laughs> right <laughs> well you know he was practiced at it from rudy exactly <laughs>
0: when was lord of the rings was it before or after I think 2004? it was before this, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how about a smoochie? Didn't we get a smoochie? Oh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie! We have Lucy and Henry kiss many times during the first Yay. date montage at about an hour five. And then they kiss in the Memory Institute after the reunion at hour 28.
0: Yay! True love! True love.
1: And how about a driving review? So... I don't have a lot of actual specific driving. I do want to lump sailboat in under the vehicle category. Okay. First of all, when we first see his sailboat, why does it look like an 18th century pirate ship? I really would love to know what the poor set people had to do to get that. But I wasn't sure that that sailboat that big could be sailed by one person by themselves. Uh That might have been a little movie magic. But the one bit of actual driving problem is the inciting crash. Her dad was looking at her and not the road. Again, folks, driver needs to keep their eyes on the road. I mentioned it previously that we have a 2003 Dodge Dakota as the spam delivery truck. And in classic casting of vehicles, the 73 yellow VW Thing that Lucy drives tells us she's quirky. That's right. a quirky car. That is a quirky. So there was really a car called
0: a Thing?
1: It, it, at least in the US, it was marketed as the Thing. It was actually a staff officer's vehicle from Nazis, and they rebranded it because apparently Nazi commander car was not a particularly like a, a big hit with the marketing department. <laughs> so they called it the VW Thing.
0: Huh. Interesting. I thought you were going to miss that. So that was one tidbit I had.
1: They also did not paint them the Nazi gray. They went with yellow and white. Right. Well, because I think that's Drew's favorite color. I don't know if I've ever seen one that wasn't yellow. So maybe they only painted yellow. Oh, okay. I just figured they painted hers yellow. Right. I believe it was basically a VW bug, just a different body. Uh, It was nowhere near as fast as Elvis's car in Blue Hawaii.
0: Shall we go to the numbers?
1: Let's go to the numbers.
0: All right. So let's see. This. 2004 movie 50 first dates had a budget of 75 million dollars it did quite well that's a lot yeah it's a lot it did quite well domestically it made 120 million and worldwide 196 so just shy of 200 million that's bank yeah like that's is that a 3x at least seems like it. yeah So did quite well. IMDb scored at 6.8. Let's just call it a 7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes wasn't as kind. I I can't remember if this is rotten or not, but 45% of critics liked it, whereas 65% of audiences liked it. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It's rated PG-13. It's labeled as a comedy, drama, and romance. We paused it three times, twice for time check, and once... A time check for near the penguin naming. I don't even know what my notes mean.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't <even.
0: laughs> This is no, what happens when you have for a you. fever dream between watching the movie and recording our... Um, What's my excuse? Right. Oh, interesting. Peter Siegel, I just saw, did Naked Gun 33 and a third and Get Smart oh. and My Spy. So that's probably, he, he must love that from here to it Right, eternity he just gag. found it ridiculous, <laughs> right. The filming locations, as I said, was mostly in Oahu, the Rainforest Cafe, though, in San Francisco, Six Flags in Vallejo, which I have been to, Six Flags Marine World is where we saw Adam with the walrus. Unfortunately, in California, at the Trump National Golf Course in <laughs> Rancho Palos Verdes, Cabril, Cabrillo, is Cabrillo Beach in San Pedro. So some California and, oh, Malibu. Right. And uh, Blackstone Bay, Alaska for that final scene. Huh. It's at Columbia Pictures and Happy Madison Productions and Flower Films. So both Adam and Drew had dipped their toe in the producer waters. Adam won for the Favorite Movie Actor Award for the Kids' Choice Award. He won the best on screen team for Adam and Drew. I mean they both did. And let's see, they they One for favorite favorite on screen chemistry for the People's Choice Awards. And it won the best date movie at the Teen Choice Awards. So this is a big favorite. And I'll say when I posted that we were watching it, I got a lot of love from people. Listener Darcy. Uh, Listener Darcy. Yes. She this is one of her favorite movies that she watches every year. Oh, wow. And somebody else told me it's one of their favorites. So a lot of people loved that we were going to be talking about this one. It's
1: because of the clever plotting from Mr. Wing. Right. Congratulations, Seattleite, George Wing. Oh, and he's welcome to call in (laughs) and, and he and I can chit chat about the writing. About story structure. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you very much for tolerating not only our absence last week, but my horrible voice right now and. Sadly, you're going to have to listen to it next week, too, because right as soon as I hit stop, we're going to hit record. And we're going to be talking about Blue Crush, a movie that we enjoyed the first time we watched it and takes place in Hawaii. So have a great day and never forget.
1: Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions.
0: To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to DodgeMediaProductions.com. Subscribe. Share. Share. Leave a comment and tell us what we
1: should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies.